I'm Jim Cameron, Jim Cameron Consulting, broadcasting from the Fountainhead, the home of Synergy Billing, and I'm your host for Volusia Matters, news, interviews, and matters that impact Volusia County directly or indirectly. And now for the news. University of Florida Bureau of Economic Research says Daytona Beach now has 80,940 residents, showing an increase of 9,400 residents since the 2020 census count. That was 71,000-something residents. Now, DeLand ranks second with an increase of more than 3,900 residents, and Volusia's largest city, Deltona grew by some 3,600 residents, bringing their population to just over 97,000. And Pearson, Volusia's smallest city, with a population of just over 1,500, added 18 residents. And next item, Daytona Beach Charter, the document that outlines how the city operates, is reviewed every 10 years by a committee of residents called the Charter Review Commission. Now, city commissioners are currently looking for residents that may be interested in serving on this commission. And members and alternates are, will be selected in January, and the Charter Commission's work should take about eh, six months, and it'll have in, include several public hearings that'll take place throughout the city, and they want to hear back from residents on their work. And uh, the Charter Review Commission examines the city's existing charter, and they'll be making recommendations for changes, additions, or deletions. And then Recommendations will be presented to the City Commission for adoption in June. And then upon Commission approval, Charter Amendments will be placed on the November 5, 2024 general election ballot that voters must approve. Also, at their October 18th meeting, Daytona Beach City Commission moved forward with Phase 2 of their affordable housing efforts. And this will include the start of an affordable housing trust fund to receive funds from projects required by the city's anticipated affordable housing impact fee ordinance. And next, they're looking to draft an impact fee ordinance and also donate city lots to nonprofits that will develop affordable housing. And they're also going to consider an expanded owner-occupied housing rehabilitation program in zip code 32114. Next item, Port Orange Mayor Don Burnett presented their city's legislative request to the Volusia Legislative Delegation's October 24th meeting in Deland, and they're seeking $1.5 million to modernize their infrastructure 
and address aging stormwater pipes, including three wastewater lift stations. And they're also seeking eh, some $7 million to replace a 25-year-old filter and generator at the water reclamation facility. Next item, on their November 7th agenda, County Council discussed transfer of SunRail operations and funding. Now, since it began operations in 2014 from DeBerry to Sand Lake Road, the Florida Department of Transportation has footed the bill. Prior to that, it was agreed to that the Central Florida Commuter Rail Commission, which consists of Osceola, Orange, Seminole and Volusia counties, in addition to the city of Orlando, that they would one day take over operations and cost. Well, that time has come, and Volusia County has been financially preparing to pay their portion. But by the way, FDOT anticipates their final planned SunRail station in the land that would be open and complete in the summer of 2024. Also at County Council, they took up an ordinance to eliminate requirements for the county business tax receipts. And this totals $298,000 that the county receives from this fund. Also in West Volusia, City of Deltona is addressing affordable housing. A recent report from New Home Source ranked Deltona number eight amongst the most affordable cities in Florida. But the state's affordable housing data shows a tremendous need for affordability for Deltona's current residents. And with their property tax around $1,400 and a median household income at basically $52,000, Zillow is showing average rents in Deltona at $1,900 monthly. Next item, New Smyrna Beach city leaders are addressing illegal parking and looking for solutions to find additional parking. And a city parking task force has been formed to find ways to expand parking and their chair, Jared Pendergrass, stated the report focused on a shortage of some 700 spaces uh, between Canal Street and also on Flagler Avenue. And some of their ideas included reducing the hours from four to two hours for street parking, along with providing a uh, free shuttle service and a parking garage could also be in the mix somewhere. So stay tuned. Next item, Volusia's 2023 property tax bills were mailed November the 1st. Now they include ad valorem taxes levied by the county and city governments, school district and St. John's Water Management District and other special funds, including Volusia Forever, and ECHO. They also include special assessments for stormwater control and solid waste management and taxes payable 
are payable from November the 1st through March 31st, 2024. Unpaid taxes become delinquent after April the 1st, and the owners of that property for which taxes are not paid may be subject to interest and penalties. And taxes paid in January will receive a 2% discount, while taxes paid in February will receive a 1% discount. Next item, October 24th, Volusia Legislative Delegation hosted its annual meeting to hear recommendations and requests from the county, cities, school board, local agencies, and other entities for the upcoming session in Tallahassee. In all, I think there's probably eh, some 35 or 40 speakers at this meeting in DeLand. But uh, County Chair Jeff Brower and Daytona Beach Shores Nancy Miller, who's also chair of the Volusia Elected Officials Roundtable Group, they focused on hurricane recovery as it relates to beach restoration projects. And then also Mayors Fred Cleveland, New Smyrna Beach, Chris Villa, Holly Hill, Chris Cloudman, The Land, and others made presentations requesting funds for such things as affordable housing, water lift station, road construction projects, and other. So the 2024 regular session will run from January the 9th to March 8th. Listen for more details. Next item, with all the focus on the U.S. House for the last several weeks, I'd like to turn to the U.S. Senate. Currently, there are 51 Democrats and 49 Republicans serving. However, 33 Senate seats are up for election in 2024 including Senator Rick Scott. Now, this makeup includes, this election makeup includes 20 Democrats, three independents who caucus with Senate Democrats, and 10 Republicans. And currently, 27 members of Congress, and that's six members from the Senate and 21 members from the House, have announced that they will not seek re-election in 2024. Now, a total of 468 seats in U.S. Congress, and that's 33 Senate seats, and all 435 House seats are up for election in 2024. That's November 5th, 2024 and only six U.S. Senators, including Senator Mitt Romney, Republican from Utah, are retiring from public office. And 11 of the 15 U.S. House members not running for re-election in the House, nine Democrats, two Republicans, are running for U.S. Senate. And these members include seven running for open seats in California, Delaware, Maryland, Michigan, and Indiana. Next item, Seminole Tribe to expand casino games and sports betting. On October 25th, 
U.S. Supreme Court ruled with the Seminole tribe to allow Florida's new gaming compact to continue. So, the tribe will be offering craps roulette at its six casinos in the state, and sports betting will begin December the 7th. And for now, the tribe is moving forward with a more limited step of in-person sports betting at its six Florida facilities because there's a lawsuit challenging broader online sports betting, and uh, that remains pending before the Florida Supreme Court. And on a related topic, no casinos, which has spearheaded the 2018 ballot measure, making it harder to expand gambling in the state, wants the Florida Supreme Court to reject a deal that could give Seminole Tribe control over sports betting online throughout the state. And they've joined two paramutual companies last month in a lawsuit before the Supreme Court claiming that Florida's sports betting compact violates Constitutional Amendment Number 3. And Governor DeSantis and Seminole Tribe of Florida signed that compact in 2021, and the legislature ratified it. But at question is whether to allow the Seminoles to accept sports wagers from mobile devices anywhere in the state with bets run through servers on tribal land. So, no casinos say sports betting that would allow betting beyond reservation borders, reservation boundaries, should be prohibited. Next item, Florida legislature is meeting in special session in Tallahassee this week. And after the Hamas attacks on Israel, this special session will focus to strengthen sanctions on Iran to ensure Florida does not do business with companies aligned with Iran that could in turn fund Hamas or other terrorist groups. Now, they'll address, also address additional protections for Florida's Jewish communities. Now, there's five bills being considered in Tallahassee this session However, Senate Bill 2 would allocate $176 million in tax and grant relief to victims of Hurricane Idalia via My Safe Florida Home Program, which offers eligible Floridians up to $10,000 to invest into storm hardening renovations, which would hopefully lower the cost of homeowners insurance. Let's see what happens up there this week. Next item, the U.S. Federal Reserve, European Central Bank, and Bank of England have dramatically hiked interest rates over the last 18 months as a means to tame inflation. 
At last week's meeting, the U.S. Fed held interest rates steady at 5.25% to 5.5% for the second consecutive meeting after ending a string of 11 hikes in September. However, they continue to point out that their primary objective to tame inflation is not yet done. The annual rise in consumer price index was 3.7% in September, down from 9.1% in June of 2022. So let's see what happens and don't touch that dial. Today's interview is with County Chair Jeff Brower. And as County Chair, he serves as the official and ceremonial representative of the county and presides as chair of county council meetings, including the agenda, and has an equal vote on all questions coming before it. He began a four-year term in January 2021 and is a candidate for re-election next year. Okay, and today's guest, we have County Chair Jeff Brower. Jeff, glad to have you with us today. Well, thanks for contacting me, Jim. It's always good to talk to you. Always enjoy talking with you. Listen, uh, at your October 17th meeting, Council took up uh, an item from Environmental Natural Resources Advisory Committee, NRAC. NRAC. And it's regarding low-impact development recommendations. Can you elaborate a little bit more what that's about? Well, it's it's a way to, to begin changing a development pattern in Volusia County to, to just better protect our water resources. It's, was, it's been a year-long process that was really interesting. I went to several of their meetings. It's, it's uh, lawyers who represent developers, engineers who work for developers, environmental people, um, a really good cross-section of Volusia County. And I'm telling you, Jim, they really worked well together. They didn't agree on everything, but they treated each other with respect. They would hash things out. And, and they came up with some excellent ideas that they agreed to present to the council and, and ask us to approve it. Um, you know, like most things in politics, I, I didn't get everything I wanted, um, but it was a huge step forward. And mostly what I was glad about is that working relationship that developed between you know, environmental professors from Stetson to just environmentalists in the community and the development community. There was a lot of agreement. And and that agreement is that we live in a beautiful place and we need to protect it. And then, you know, from the developer's point of view, which which everybody needed to understand is they already have all these requirements that they have to check off on everything. And lots of lots of things that um, that have to be met. And so are we gonna just add more? My idea was to change some of those requirements and actually give them some more flexibility and how they develop it, like, like pushing all of the, the homes to one side, creating more density in a development so they can leave more land open. They actually like that because that, that's popular 
Not maybe not so much. Well, I was going to say not so much with people our age, but that that could that might not be true. There's a lot of people um, that don't want to spend all weekend mowing their yard and and doing yard work. Uh, so a smaller lot um, makes sense to them. There's a good market for it. And while while I might not be looking in that market, that doesn't matter. A lot of people are, but it's just a better way to. Um, uh, to build, you know, I've I've been to three LED conferences put on by the Marine Resource Council. We've had professors from the University of Florida come, and have done a really good job of showing that not only can it be less expensive to develop this way, but they end up with a higher valued product at the end. Yeah, if you if you look at Babcock Ranch, I don't know if you if you kept up with that at all down in Fort Myers. It's I think it's ninety one thousand acres. They've got a nine hundred and seventy acre um, solar farm. Now we're we're not requiring that in Volusia County. Yeah. That's just what the owners there decided to do. When we had the series of hurricanes at the end of last year, they never lost power. They never had flooding. Um, because you know power because of the the solar collectors and they store that in batteries even when it's cloudy or at night. Um, but the flooding was phenomenal. The fact that they didn't get it because of the way they plan their stormwater management to collect the water, clean it naturally through using plants, bog gardens before that water moved off. So they're they're producing very very clean stormwater runoff at at almost zero expense. In fact, they're they're um, they're they're part of the community that the people in, enjoy because it's so beautiful. These these lakes and streams and, and ponds. So, um, I you know some of the council members said you know well if it's so popular why is nobody doing it? Well, they are doing it. Babcock Ranch is one you know just a huge and they've taken leadership in it. So um, brought it to the council. What what NRAC ended up um, sending us was a list of things that developers could choose from, some that were required and some that they could choose from. And for that, we might ease up on things that I really think we need to, like parking requirements. You go to the Volusia Mall, Jim, there's acres of parking that have never seen a car, even at yeah. Christmas. That Those should have outbuildings on it providing services to the public and creating a, a greater tax base for, for government, you know, a win for everybody instead of this ugly parking lot. So parking requirements are way, way too restrictive. Um, buffers and setbacks, I think I think there's a lot of room for flexibility there, um, in, especially in a private community where people are going to choose to live. So there's I'm I'm looking for a give and take. The committee came up with a give and take, and then it gets to the council. And the week before, the county manager tells me, you can't have a vote on this. And, and I said, why? And he said, well, Senate Bill 250 says you can't do anything that's more restrictive. I said, this is mostly voluntary. And I said, I know, but even if you require two things that they don't have to do now, the law would say that's too restrictive. I, I don't agree with that, but I'm not the county attorney and his job is to keep us out of lawsuits. Sure. Um, I don't agree with that either. We get we get sued three times a week. All the lawsuits come to the county chair and then I pass them on to him. But I understand his thinking and his role and, and I appreciate it. And I, I'm glad to have his, his cautious approach most of the time. <laughs> 
Uh, I think we ought to challenge uh, Senate Bill 250. He has actually asked, we have asked the county um, and, and our, some of the things that we asked for at the legislative uh, meeting last week, that they would take a look at that and they've agreed to do that. And they they may ease the restrictions because the intent of the law on SB 250 was to help um, homes and infrastructure damage in those hurricanes to be repaired. And some of them, some of the homes, commercial buildings were built decades ago, and there's more restrictions now than there were then. They didn't want us to apply the new restrictions uh, where it wasn't absolutely necessary and not allow somebody to protect their home from the next round of storms with a seawall, for instance, or to rebuild a path. I'm for that. I, I We allow somebody to build there. We ought to allow them to repair their home. Um, so um, that was the purpose of Senate Bill 250. But to push that into something like LID, I just I don't think that's intent. So the legislature is going to look at it and and they'll tell us if that was their intent or not. So I'm hopeful that they might give us some more flexibility on how to apply that. Okay, now I'm going to shift gears on you. Um, Used to that. More so to the east uh, as far as beach front. Okay. You spoke to the Volusia legislative delegation and thanked them. I mean, for their assistance and all, I mean, state government and such. Yes. To uh, for the for their help regarding. Uh, hurricane recovery as it yeah. relates to beaches and, and the sand trap bags, things along those lines. So yes. what, what's the status of Volusia beaches right now? I just toured it uh, last week, I believe, with a, a state rep from uh, Seminole County and um, Jessica Fentress took us, uh, um, uh, the, the mayor of Daytona Beach Shores and um, one of her council people came, um, and it the devastation is especially in Daytona Beach Shores South, all the way to Wilbur is still. It's just very very sad when when you when you look at what happened. But there's been there's been a tremendous amount of of construction done uh, with um, new seawalls and I, and I say new purposely it's not just that they're new replacing old ones or replacing ones that weren't there but completely new designs different materials that should last longer um I've I've gotten a little in a little bit of trouble of saying I in fact I told the the mayor um that this is going to be we're looking at a 10-year experiment that there's so many different kinds of seawalls different depths to see which ones really work um all of them had to follow standards of the EPA and the county government, um, um, but they were allowed to use different kinds of materials. And some of them are quite quite beautiful as far as seawalls go, painted, decorated. Some of them are just seawalls. But so we will see over the next ten years um, how they work and which kind work better. Now the criticism has come from even friends of mine that say you shouldn't be experimenting with with the beach you guys should know which works well nobody does we thought these concrete you know for the last hundred years we thought concrete seawalls were well you saw what happened they fell into the ocean land was lost and then the pools slipped into the ocean so you don't always know and i think it's wise to try new well-engineered approaches 
And I, you know, hopefully they will all work, but some of them will show that they outdo um, the others and just their appearance um, and, and what their longevity is. So um, I, I think we're making uh, good progress there. The state and the EPA were instrumental in helping us to get SAM because what, what we're going to do, Jim, is, you know, the county requires that if you, uh, we, we would really prefer a, a natural uh, sea dune um, that's heavily vegetated. Um, but they didn't last. They're, they're all out in the ocean now. Most of those, now some of them that where there's long stretches of dunes, they lasted really, really well as you go yep. down the river by the sea. But where there's sea walls and then a natural area and a seawall, that, that just creates a weakness. The ocean comes in there and scoops all that sand out of the natural area and deposited somewhere down the beach. So it's I think what we learned is that you in these in these um um heavily constructed areas. And remember, the seawalls are also protecting A1A. We really need a continuous line of seawalls without the breaks in them to create weak spots. Um, so the so what we're going to do is build the seawalls are being built now and then put a dune in front of it and they will be planted. And in fact, we met on this this morning a little bit with county staff and I said, how long do you think we'll be replacing sand? And of course, nobody knows. You know, Flagler replaced sand a few months later, it was all gone where they lost A1A just from um, summer storms, not even hurricanes. We hope that that won't be the case. We we know that there'll be less damage to property because of the seawalls, but we, we really want this, the the dunes to last they're they're more beautiful and it does give an extra layer of resiliency once they're matured and and grown so that that's the goal um somebody said in the meeting this morning you know probably every 25 years we're going to lose a lot of that sand from an unusually hard storm maybe it'll be every 500 years like they're calling this event but the thing is you have to try you you can't just say let Mother Nature, you know, run its course and remove our our barrier island, you know, everything that's built there. Um, so I, I'm I'm for protecting it um, wisely and and not building in a way that just creates more more damage. And, and I think that's the direction we're heading. I'm going to take you on a kind of a side note from there. Is back in September, council approved a 1.19 billion dollar budget. Any specific funding that you would like to see uh, prioritized out of that budget? Any absolutely. specific projects? Absolutely. And I, if if you were to ask me, do you have a final statement of anything you'd like to say? It's the same thing. Out of that, I I truly believe, Jim, that we have to change our development pattern, specifically in the way that we're. Um, handling this um, stormwater um, you know, runoff, um, we've we've got serious water pollution problems in our beautiful rivers, even in our springs, because it's in the aquifer now. Um, we've lost seagrass. We're losing a, a, a seafood industry. Um, I'm I'm working with a private. Uh, seafood company in restoring the seafood industry in, in the Edgewater Oak Hill area. And I'm 
we've got the help of the Indian River Lagoon that they're interested in helping us fund that. Um, so I want to see a, a good portion of that money spent on infrastructure, specifically um, water infrastructure, how we how we capture stormwater runoff, how we clean it before it gets to the lagoon or the Tomoka River, um, our lakes and springs. And I think I've got pretty good agreement on county staff. They, they know that a, one of the big draws to Volusia County is the beauty of our county, the recreational um, opportunities that are here, especially as it relates to waterways. Young entrepreneurs, businesses that want to come here, they're looking for a good, clean environment where their employees can be happy because there's fun stuff to do. And so we've got to really zero in um, and increase spending on those water projects. Um, it, it, it will just, it'll increase the, our quality of life. But I, you know, some people accuse me of, of using scare tactics about water, but it really, it, it, it's required for life. It's going to be, and I think it is a limiting factor to how we can build. We can find areas to build, um, but how can we protect the water there? We're, they're smart engineers. I, I'm working with one now that that um, um, we had some disagreements, but we sat down together and, and talked uh, like gentlemen and have actually become good friends. And we've, we've both come more towards each other. He said, yeah, we could do this better, things that I pointed out. He taught me some things. I, I, it can be done if you're not afraid to sit down and talk to people instead of instead of saying a, a developer's engineer is evil because he wants to build. That that's just not the truth. It's um, there are places that we shouldn't build, and we'll deal with that as well. But so I'm that's where I want to spend money, and I'm actually very optimistic that we'll we'll make progress. So. Appreciate that. Any closing comments that you'd like to give us? That's it. Protect our water. Please take it seriously. I, I will. I'll add this real quick. The, you, you've kept up with the Belvedere thing. Everywhere I go, people ask every part of the county. Um, now, Orman knows more about it than when I was in um, Deltona, but they were interested in hearing about it. Um, one of the things that I want the public to know is that the, for the first time in Volusia County history, we got over 400 people to a, a county council meeting. We filled the chambers. I think you were there. Fire marshal was asking me, telling me, we got you got to remove people. I said, no, sir, that's your job. <laughs> and he handled it. Then we filled up the overflow area downstairs. And then we had to set up a, a whole new overflow area in the rotunda. They brought in large screen TVs, extra show, filled that to capacity. But it got the council's um, attention. Um, everybody on the council is very, nobody wants to see it build in that location. But I guarantee you that presence of the people and the quality of their speeches when they came and talked to us, the research they had done, the seriousness with which they approached it, and, and the um, the respect that they, for, for probably 99% of them, some of them were just angry and called us names. I, I understand that, they're afraid. But it, I'm telling the people, if you, if you want the government to move, you are the government, the people. You got to come to the council meetings and and talk to us. You know, hopefully respectfully, 
but you can call me any name you want. You have a First Amendment right to do that. And um, but let's let's work together. Tell your council people what you want. Email us, but come to the meetings like you do, Jim. Well, and thank you, thank you. Very well put, Jeff. Certainly appreciate you coming on with us today, and look forward to seeing you at next council meeting. Well, thank you. You are a community asset, and I'm glad to know you. I'm I, I'm serious. I thank you for your work. It is mutual. And to finish up, the U.S. debt still stands at $33 trillion and growing every day. Now look for a new podcast episode to be released next week. And the views expressed on this podcast may or may not necessarily express the opinions of Jim Cameron Consulting. And for more news, check out my newsletter, which was mailed, emailed earlier this week. And if you're not receiving it, call me at 566-2140 and my $1,000 guarantee still stands. And in closing, I want to remind everyone of local Veterans Day events coming up this weekend. There will be ceremonies in Ormond Beach, New Smyrna Beach, Ponce Inlet, DeLand, as well as other cities. So I'd check out Daytona Beach News Journal for times and locations because our veterans deserve our appreciation. And this week marks the fourth week of the Hamas attack on Israel. And as I said earlier in the podcast, the legislature's meeting in special session, taking up legislation to protect our Jewish communities, and I stand with them 100%. This is Jim Cameron saying God bless and roll tide.